peace, peace, peace is the cry of millions. It's the longing of untold numbers around the world. It's that illusion that is pursued by all of humanity. And yet, the reason why this longing for peace is not attained by so many who seek it is because they are looking for it in all the wrong places. They are chasing it in the wrong priorities. They are pursuing it like a mirage in the desert of selfishness. Why they cannot find this elusive peace? Why? Because true peace, which is worthy of the name, can only come from the Prince of Peace. Amen. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace because He's the only one who is the source of true peace. Because He's the only one who's the dispenser of true peace. Because He's the only one who can give us His peace, and He gives it to individuals, He gives it to families, He gives it to communities, and He can give it to nations. Blessed, happy, makarios are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Now, beloved, it goes without saying that our nation is in desperate need for peace right now. No one can deny that we have so many divisions, and all of these divisions stem from hatred and anger and sin and racism and anti-Semitism and all that other isms that ought to be wasms. Question, why did Jesus place this beatitude? Blessed are the peacemakers here, so close to the pinnacle, so close to the apex of the superstructure that He gives us. It's because Jesus is showing us what the Father is looking for. That has to begin with having peace with God. Someone will say, well, Michael, I have never been at war with God. Don't kid yourself. Every one of us were born at enmity with God. Every one of us without exception. Whether we are conscious of it or not, we are at enmity with God. And when we are reconciled to God, which only, only, only can happen through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, only then can we have peace with God and the peace of God. And that is why John the Apostle can say in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, verse 12, to all who receive Jesus, to all who believe in His name, He gave them the right, He gave them the privilege, He gave them the honor to be called the children of God. And the Apostle Paul confirms this in, in Romans eight fourteen when he said, all, can you say all? All those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I hear people all the time in the media say, well, we're all the children of God. No, we're not. That's why we have a problem. <laughs> we're all the creation of God. God created us. Only those who come to God through Jesus Christ can be called the children of God. Listen to me. If you are a committed believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're living in obedience to His Word, you are a privileged person, period. End of discussion. Privilege of being called sons and daughters 
of the living God, sons and daughters of the King of kings. So please, let's live like royalties. <laughs> Hear me right. This seventh beatitude is an invitation for us to imitate our heavenly daddy. It's an invitation for us to imitate our father. What does that invitation look like? Listen carefully. To be dispensers of his peace that he has given us to be the ambassadors of that peace that He has given us, to be a messengers of peace that He has given us, to be envoys of peace that He has given us. C.S. Lewis makes a profound statement. Here's what he said, God cannot. Have you ever heard God cannot? <laughs> God cannot. There's some things God cannot do. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from Himself. He said, there is no such thing. There is no such a thing. And that is why for our nation to have peace, we need to return to God, the God of peace. So let me deal with this seventh beatitude in three different ways. All of them begin with the letter T. Okay, first of all, I want to tell you about the tariff, the tariff for peace. There is a price. There's a cost for peace. Secondly, there is the truth about peace and the truth that must be there for peace to exist. The second T is truth. And the third T is the trophy of peace. The trophy of peace. So what is that tariff of peace? Let me tell you at the outset, through the years, I have been involved in bringing two people at enmity with each other to be reconciled two groups of people to be reconciled. I've done that several times. I want to tell you at the outset, the absolute truth, it is costly. It is pricey. It is painful. For one thing, you risk being hated by both groups. I've been there. (laughs) Having been involved in trying to bring the peace of God, reconcile men and women, boys and girls to God, through Jesus Christ, I can tell you that can bring rejection, that can bring alienation, that can bring false accusations, and that can bring misunderstanding. There is a cost to peacemaking. First of all, you need to know that it cost God the Father everything. Because when He gave us His one and only begotten Son, He gave us everything. It cost Him everything for us to have peace with God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that Jesus made peace with His blood shed on the cross. That's the cost of peace. It cost God everything. Peace is costly. Even in our daily walk with God, when we sin, sin creates a barrier between us and God. Not because we wanted a barrier, or God wants a barrier. Sin does that. And that is why repentance and sometimes tears are the tariffs of demolishing that barrier. Sin between husband and wife erects a barrier between them. And asking for forgiveness and humbling oneself is the tariff that must be paid for that peace to reoccur in the marriage. You know, at Jewish wedding, some of you have attended a Jewish wedding, 
and there are two different ways of expressing it, but it's the same point. Sometimes they take a glass and hold it up in the air and allow it to be smashed on the ground. Other times, they will have a glass wrapped in a towel, and they'll have the bride and the groom smash the glass under their feet. The message is the same. It's pointing out to the fragments of that glass and exhorting the couple to guard the sacred relationship into which they have just entered. Why? Because in their mind, and don't ever forget that is the Old Testament, that because once that relationship is fractured, it can never be restored. But listen to me. Thank God for the New Testament. Can you say that with me? Thank God for the New Testament. Because we live in the New Testament, and because of the cross, fragmented relationship can be restored again and again and again and again. Praise God. For at that cross, all of our hatred and anger and bitterness has been vented against God. On that cross, God replaced our pain for peace through the shed blood of His precious blood. We are now able to be reconciled to God our Father and to each other. No wonder Isaiah, through the eyes of faith, he can look down the road 700 years to the coming of Jesus Christ, and he could prophesy in 32.17, the work of righteousness is peace. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have spoken to you that in me, in Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. He never promised us a bit of roses or tippy-toeing around the tulips. He promised us, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of great courage, for I have overcome the world. And that is why those who have rejected Jesus, they have rejected His peace. So the first thing is there is a tariff for peace, the price. Secondly, there is truth associated with peace, without which that truth, you cannot have peace. What is that truth? You know, you hear people talk about peace at any price. Oh, just let it go because, you know, make peace. You know, the peace at any price is really not the biblical peace. It's not biblical, and it's not the lasting peace, and it's not the peace of Jesus. When God's truth is compromised, we will get phony peace. You'll get some peace, all right? People might be able to stop fighting without righteousness and truth. Yeah, that's fact. You can stop fighting without righteousness or truth. But they cannot live peaceably without righteousness and truth. When the truth, which is Jesus, is applied, He will not only put an end to conflict, He will also administer healing and love. The peace of God, which is based on God's truth and the truth of His Word, will not only stop war, but it will replace it with joy. The peace of God, which is based on His truth, will not only expose sin, but produce goodness 
and righteousness until hatred resolved. Fighting will only go underground. Until enmity is dealt with, fighting will only temporarily be on hold. Until selfishness is confronted, confounded, and confessed, enmity will break out again and again and again. When James was describing the wisdom of God, the godly wisdom, James said about that godly wisdom, he said, first, you've got to remember, this is a list of priority now. First, it's pure. Then, peaceable. Uh, he learned from his older brother, Jesus. <laughs> you see? Purity of heart first, then peace. First pure, then peace. And that is why purity of heart came before peacemaking. Why? Because God's way of permanent peace is through purity, not compromise, not just pretending. The psalmist tells us as he prophesied in seeing Jesus coming a thousand years later, he prophesied that in Jesus, righteousness and peace kissed each other. The only measurements of God's peace The only measurement for God's peace is upholding the truth of God's Word. Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace into the earth, but I to bring sword. Do not think that I have come to bring peace into the earth, but sword. Those who are looking for contradictions in the Bible. Hey, hey, contradictions. See, the Bible is contradicting itself. How can Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace but sword? And then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. See, contradictions. There are no contradictions. There are no contradictions. There's ignorance, but there's no contradiction. (laughs) Why? Because Jesus' peace is only for his children. Jesus' peace is imparted to those who love Him and worship Him and obey Him. But for the rest of the earth who have rejected Him, they have a sword. They have a sword. His peace comes only for those who recognize that the sword of selfishness and pride had to be surrendered first. To be a peacemaker on God's terms must be willing to embrace God's truth and righteousness, which the world opposes. Let me put it another way, just to make sure you got it. (laughs) God's peacemaking is like the surgeon's scuffle. It has to cut (laughs) before it heals. Beloved, listen to me. Jesus never, never winks at sin for the sake of so-called peace. No. With the Samaritan woman, He lovingly confronted her with her sinful lifestyle. He lovingly confronted her about her confused doctrine of worship. With Nicodemus, Jesus lovingly confronted him his self-righteousness. And when it came to the Pharisees, he confronted them again and again about their hypocrisy. Why? Because the peace of God cannot exist without the truth of God. First of all is the tariff for peace. There is a price. There's a cost for peace. Secondly, there is the truth about peace and the truth that must be there for peace to exist. And the thirdly, the trophy of peace. 
those who are peacemakers, the greatest trophy can be called the children of God. Why? Because they are reflecting their daddy's character. They're like their daddy because they are their father's children. Just like your heavenly daddy is a peacemaker and a peace giver at a cost based on the truth, you too can bring the peace of God to others. I know I can speak as a dad and a granddad, that all loving parents who love their children more than they love their own life. I know that. They want their children to do better and accomplish more than they have. And that is why Jesus said, greater things you shall do because I go to the Father. God tells us that His children are the apple of His eye. Have you ever asked yourself, what does that mean? It's a Hebrew, Hebraic language, the apple of His eye. It's actually the cornea. It's the cornea of the eye. That's how God sees His children as the apple of His eye. They tell me it is the most sensitive part of the body, not just the eye. It is the most protected part of the eye. Beloved, this is how God views His precious children. This is how God is sensitive about His children. This is how God is protective of His children. And the problem with those who attack the children of the living God, unbeknown to them, they are actually poking their finger in God's eye. I know it's a figure of speech, but you understand. When the risen Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, he did not say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? No. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? According to Psalm 56, 8, God places the tears of His children in a bottle, which means there's not a tear that one of His children have shed. They're not important to Him. I think I'm convinced now that God must have a bucket for me. I weep so much. But, beloved, don't ever take the privilege of calling God Father, Abba, Daddy for granted as we seek to be peacemakers, as we seek to reconcile men and women, boys and girls, to God, as we seek as much as possible, live at peace. Don't ever forget that we're going to find people who will misunderstand us just like they misunderstood Jesus. You're going to find people who will condemn us just like condemn Jesus. And the figure of speech, they will probably crucify us just as they crucified Jesus. And that is why the pinnacle, the height, the apex of the superstructure that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us, which we'll see in the next message, blessed are the persecuted for Jesus' sake, who falsely accused, while hatred blinds, love enlightens. While hatred victimizes, love victorizes. The people of war always throwing stones, but the peacemakers will pick up these stones and build a bridge. 
The people of the world will come with a sword. Oh, but the peacemakers will disarm them with love and put those swords into plowshares. The people of war will throw spears, but the peacemakers will put them into pruning hooks. The peacemakers do not avoid the battle because they know they'll be given power to overcome, and we are overcomers. Let me conclude by asking you a simple question. Do you have an internal war? Do you have a war in your home? Do you have a war at your work? Do you have a war at your community, nation? Your heavenly Father wants you to be like Him, to be a peacemaker. Ask Him today. Ask Him today, and He will answer to help us pay the tariff for peace, understand the truth about peace, and ultimately look forward to the trophy of peace. He will reward you. He will reward you. It will take time, but He will reward you. He has never, ever, ever gone back on His promises. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.